This is the Santita Jackson Show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Santita Jackson Show. It's a joy to be with you today. A joy to be with you today on Thursday, December 11, 2024. Can you believe we're this deep into the year? Absolutely. Call me at 773-763-9278. Did you see the debate last night? What do you think about that? What did you think about it? Who won? Hey, it's just, we're just a few minutes away from the from the Iowa caucuses. And what's going to happen with President Biden? There are just so many questions that we have. Today we're going to be talking about the case that South Africa is taking against Israel. Uh, well, should I say in support of genocide? I mean, they're saying Israel is committing genocide. So what do you think about that? Of course, we're going to be talking about that issue and so many more at the Peace Summit at Rainbow Push. Even with this crazy weather, hundreds of you have registered. And um, we can't wait to see you on Friday and Saturday, along with Dr. Cornell West and Nina Turner and so many others who are coming into town just to be with you. And so that we can talk with one another. You can attend it virtually if you go to rainbowpush.org, but you can also you need to come. Come on out. Come on out. It's going to be great. I cannot wait to see you there. We're going to be talking with Dr. Max Wolf about credit and debt. Most Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. My friend Lynn Richardson wrote an excellent book, Payday to Monday. That's how most people are living. How can we make it? One of the questions that we should be asking in this election season about how Americans could get out from under. I mean, let's just talk about that. Let's talk about it. And Chris Christie has dropped out of the race. What will that mean? He was polling at 12%. Will his voters go to Haley? Will they go to DeSantis? Will they go to Trump? What do you think is going to happen? Will this be the game-changing event? What do you think? Who do you think might win in, in Iowa? And who's going to win in New Hampshire? What is going to happen? Hey, they say 2024 is going to be on and cracking, and they have not told a falsehood. So we've got a lot to talk about today. I want you to call me at 773-763-9278, 773-763-WCPT, and let us talk about it, everybody. Let's get some of these headlines out the way. Henry, cue up that music. Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley faced off in a Republican primary debate last night, and the Florida governor and the former U.N. ambassador and former South Carolina governor treated harsh attacks with one another. Haley called January 6, 2021 a terrible day and criticized Donald Trump, who was absent. Christie ended his presidential campaign and was caught saying that Haley would, quote, get smoked, close quote, in the primary race. That's on Monday. That's on Monday, the Iowa caucuses, everybody. Uh, Former President Trump's plan to speak at his New York civil trial, uh, fraud trial, was blocked. His attorneys wouldn't agree to the judge's demand to have Trump stick to case-related topics while in court. New York is seeking a $370 million penalty for alleged fraud. And in other legal news, Hunter Biden, who made a surprise appearance at a congressional hearing yesterday, is expected to plead not guilty to federal tax charges today. Israel is facing accusations of genocide. We'll be talking about that a little bit later as we will be talking about Chris Christie at the bottom of the hour. 
Uh, they're facing accusations of genocide in international courts. South Africa brought the case at the United Nations top court. The International Court of Justice settles disputes between countries. The accusation is that Israel is trying to destroy the Palestinians through large-scale killing, displacement, and destruction in the Gaza Strip. Israel denies the allegations, and they are working furiously uh, to have countries push back against South Africa. It doesn't appear to be working. And many people are saying that this is a push against empire. Who would think that this African nation would have the heft, the political heft, and wherewithal to do it? But... If you look at the BRICS nations and how they're expanding, and if you look at the changing economies of the world, you can see it's no longer a unipolar world where it's U.S. and everybody else. It is now the U.S. and South Africa and Brazil and Russia and China and India and on and on and on. Alaska Airlines canceled all Boeing 737 MAX 9 flights through Saturday. It's waiting for an FAA approval to begin formal inspections of the Boeing jets. Many of them were found not to have had their screws tightened, everybody. And a legend has decided to hang up the cleats. Alabama football coach Nick Saban announced his retirement. I can't even imagine college football without him. So many of us cannot. He's iconic. I guess like Bear Bryant was in another generation or Eddie Robinson, right? Well, Saban called the University of Alabama, quote, a very special place to him and his wife in a statement last night. He said, we will always consider Alabama our home. Call us at 773-763-9278-773-763 WCPT. And let's talk about what's happening in the world today in Chicago. It's going to be, we're moving toward this really, really 12 inches of snow that we're supposed to get by through Friday, everybody. But today it'll start snowing. 33 degrees will be behind Chicago and snow. Minneapolis, St. Paul, 19 degrees. It will be cloudy in the NFL. The wild card round begins this weekend in the NBA. The Bulls 124, the Rockets 119, the Celtics 120, the Timberwolves 120, excuse me, and the Timberwolves, no, Celtics 124, the Timberwolves 120. And in the NHL, tonight, Chicago will be facing off against the Jets, and the Stars are triumphant over the Wild 7-2. And those are the headlines on the Santita Jackson show. But I have got... Pastor Darius Brooks with us today, and I'm always always such a joy to have you with us. As we um, as we are so grateful to Grace Central in Westchester, Illinois, for serving hundreds of people food every single week. People are hungry, hungry, hungry out here. When you look at the election 2024, when people talk about the fight for democracy, I hear you. What people are really, 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 really concerned about is being able to eat. <laughs> is that not what you're seeing, uh, Pastor Darius Brooks? Listen, Santita, the day that they announced the snowstorm, um, uh, everybody was saying, Sharon, we should close the food pantry now. Um, and I said, no, we're going to leave the food pantry. Uh, this is what serving is. God is looking for people who are in service. And I'm not just saying it and talking about people who are not in service. 
Then, Peter, the Word of God is a mirror. It's not a window. And we keep looking at the Word of God from the window's perspective. God cannot bless us there or help us operate in abundance. So he has to violate his Word. God's Word is a mirror. And it's to the believer who does what he say, regardless of what the world is doing, which is why a lot of people are confused. It's in this place that you literally become a, a person who studied God's Word as for a mirror so that you, you can see how he wants us and how he wants us to be happy, fulfilled, and purpose-oriented from his perspective. It was true. When, when, when they started lining up outside my wife and the staff, like, wow. They're like, ain't nobody going to come out here and this stuff. And here's what I found out, which is, it changed my life that, that day, too. Since the people don't do what they want to do. People find a way to do what they want to do. And those are the people that I like in my life now who mean what they say, say what they mean. And they're not people who just go to church. This is not people that believe in God no more. Because it's more of a hypocritical place than a person who loves God in our hearts. The problem with the church is he's not in our heart. He's in our head. And we could never get anything done or we could never experience in this crazy world a peace without making him in our heart, not in our head. Great Central Church, 10216 South Street, Westchester, and every Tuesday from 5 to 7, we feed eight different townships. And on Wednesdays, we do seniors from noon to two. And in that snowstorm Wednesday, they were out seniors. Listen, I had to help. It's on my Facebook page. I was helping an old lady cross the street with a cane. And I'm like, what you doing out here in the snow, baby? I need to come get some food. So when people get to be talking, even in personal lives, it's a hard thing with you and me. It's a hard thing. People, when we put God in our hearts, it's a different dynamic for real, which takes me to the message today. I won't be long, but you know, mate got me all excited this morning about the Word of God, Romans 15, 13, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, then, see, that for those who are just reading Scripture like that, these are just words that people just read. But when the, God, when the Word of God says, may the God of hope, God, Jesus, the Lord, it's His Word. Whenever you see the word God, Jesus, the Lord, He's talking about His Word from Genesis to Revelation, rightly divided. And He's a God of hope. And then Peter, when you study God's Word, hope in translation means strategy. It's not just, Lord, I'm a hope that's happened. He says, no, my definition of hope, when you're reading it in the Word of God, is a strategy. You just don't hope without a strategy. May the God of this strategy fill you with all joy. Joy is the Word of God. He says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. So regardless of what you see in the natural, spiritually, God says, use my Word, and this is what translates everything that changes your trajectory. Peace is not the absence of noise. Peace is in between a rock and a hard place. You're going to make this thing do what it do. Peace is it's snowing outside. If you trust God to open up this food pantry, open it, people are going to come. Sure enough, when we open up the food pantry, people can. As you trust 
in him so that you may overflow with hope. There's another word, hope, strategy, by the power of the Holy Spirit. And the power of the Holy Spirit, thank you, is no matter what, people of God, I'm almost done, but if you use God's word, no matter what you do in your feeling and how you operate and what you think in your natural, God's going to show you something different spiritually in a divine place. I came up with this thought, I'll be careful with happy feelings. Uh, Jesus, sometimes we got to be careful when we think feeling happy is God. Often I say uh, everything we need is in the Word of God, from love stories to murders. And right now, as we're in 2024, we've entered into this coming year. If you notice, I didn't say New Year. We entered into this coming year because this year has been coming ever since creation. And yet with God's invite to live for his glory. Whatever we're doing out as believers, we're getting it twisted about the promises and prosperity and all of this stuff. People, this is what we're getting twisted and tricked and bamboozled and hoodwinked. We're supposed to be living for God's glory, not to get a car and a house and to do all these things. And you wonder why people don't believe God? Because when they get the house and the car and the marriage and all this stuff and it don't work out, is that the same God is good? Absolutely. Because God doesn't fulfill us with persons, persons places of things. Those are attributes. He fills us with his spirit so that we can stay focused on his word so that nothing in this world can take us off our square. Even when feelings are gone, God ain't dealing with those. He deals with the spirit. As I close, God doesn't give feelings. We create them by most of the choices we make in our illusion as to believe that feelings will last forever. God's word promises a joy that this world can't give and this world can't take away. And when you trust him with your whole heart, he gives you everything you need when you're living for him. He'll give you the need to keep going, stop. He'll give you the need to hold and fold. He'll let you let yesterday go. When your feelings want to hold on, your spirit say, God, I can't deal with yesterday. He said, good, let it go. Do today, and I'll set up tomorrow. Then, see them, I'll be careful with happy feelings. When God is in my heart, anything that I'm feeling, when I replace it with his spirit, he can give me a different trajectory and a different view to see things wonderfully a little bit better so that it will always keep me moving forward. I'll be careful with happy feelings. Amen. 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 How can we get, uh, well, you know, not only will we be able to get food at Grace Central, we'll also be able to see you very quickly. When are you giving away these baskets of groceries? You know, because it's just, it's, they're groceries, everybody. Everything is in there. And um, how can yeah. we, we obtain them? Great Central Church, 10216, on Street, Westchester, Illinois, every Tuesday from 5 to 7. And on Wednesdays for seniors from noon to 2. Great Central Church, 10216, on Street, Westchester, Illinois. You can go to gracecentral.net. You can also go to dariusbrooks.net. And our morning services are from 1030 to noon every Sunday. And on Tuesday at 7 p.m., you can watch us on YouTube, Grace Central Church. And I wish that God could be everything you need him to be for and to you for the rest of your days. I love you, Pastor Darius Brooks. I'll see you in Detroit today. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Look and have a good time at Wayne State when he's going to, we're going to sing and speak 
and talk about Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King and music and the movement. Love you, Pastor Darius Brooks. We've got Dr. Shanita Knighton. Dr. Knighton, what's on your mind today? Good morning, Santita. How are you? I'm doing great. That's awesome. So I just think that, like, we probably just need to take a pause and just take talk about health in general, okay? So it was interesting. I was on social media, and there was this lady, okay? And when I tell you she made a good point but was so just, like, passionate and stressed at the same time about her statement, and it just made me think about, like, just health in this country. And I know that this has been a conversation you and I have had over and over again. Mm-hmm. Um, and that I think I mentioned when I went to Saudi Arabia, I thought that it was fun and interesting because I was trying to tell, you know, our Saudi brothers and sisters about my fitness regimen in the United States. And long story short, they looked at me crazy, right? They were, like, working out. they like, you know, Dr. Shanina, I don't work out. You know, I don't have to. Like, you know, we walk wherever it is we got to go, and our food is healthy. Mm. And this is pretty much what they said. And so this young lady was so frustrated because she said, you know, how is it that we have the most healthcare facilities in the world, have, like, the highest and most advanced health technology in the world, um, has the most, you know, You talk about supposed to be advanced of everything when it comes to access to food, supposed to be the riches, have access to fitness, but yet we are the most unhealthiest. When it comes to mental health, when it comes to diabetes, obesity, um, injury, HIV, smoking, cancer, environmental issues, you know, heart disease, uh, long COVID, strokes. Um, alcoholism and health-related complications, kidney disease, you know, air pollution, overdose, reproductive health, right, maternal health. So just thinking through all of the challenges that we face right now and saying to ourselves, what is it that is happening that is within our control and what is happening outside of our control? And when I preach prevention, we've talked many times about food ingredients and the harms that they can do. We've talked about stress and ways to kind of balance and counter things for your body so that way you are more so on the verge of healing instead of decline. Saying all of that to say that the number one thing that I've been emphasizing, and I still do so, with a caution of you being the CEO of your own health is making sure that you do have a primary care provider. There are some of us that may be living very healthy according to our standards, but it still may have not been healthy enough to miss cancer. It may have not been healthy enough to miss a stroke. It may have not been healthy enough to miss, you know, some sort of injury or diabetes. And to be told like, yes, you know, it's a part of the genes, It's understanding, okay, well, what else is going on that may not necessarily be favorable towards our body? So I know we talked about resolutions. I know we talk about what is to come in 2024. But I think it's very important for us, you know, as, let's say, providing health information, to start walking through and talking through these things. Because, unfortunately, to know and not to do is not to know. 
So how do we hmm. get from a place of where we're giving information to understanding if people are using it and if it's making a difference? Because right now we're just watching technologies pile up. We're watching medicines pile up. We're watching fitness facilities pile up. But yet our health outcomes are still suffering. Absolutely. And other people around the world look at us like, what are you doing? Well, our, the food we eat is not healthy. Our lifestyles are not healthy. And when we look at people who do a lot of walking, it's because they're poor. You have to think about that. What are we doing? And we don't even have a million hospital beds for 340 million people. So when you get sick, there's no place for you to go. We have to change our thinking, everybody, and change our policies. We need to be getting more nurses, more doctors, more people in the healthcare professions. We need to be building hospitals, not building bombs. I don't know how many of you want to drop a bomb today, but I know some of you might need access to a hospital. How about that? Why don't we get what we need instead of the things that they say that we want? Oh, Dr. Shanina Knight, and let's talk about, I'm going to talk with Ray. Ray has called in. He, has, he wants to weigh in on Palestine. Of course, we've got the Peace Summit at Rainbow Push. Friday and Saturday, Dr. Cornell West, Dr. Uh, excuse me, Senator Nita Turner, and so many others. You don't want to miss that. Uh, but um, we're also going to be talking about Chris Christie. Why did he drop out? He said yesterday morning that he wasn't going to do it. And then yesterday afternoon, he's like, I'm out. What was that about? Back with more of the Santita Jackson Show on WCPT at AM 950 Radio. Back in a minute. This is the Santita Jackson Show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Santita Jackson Show. Before we get into it about Chris Christie on WCPT 820, the nation's largest progressive talk radio station and AM 950 radio, the voice of progressive Minnesota. Someone already called in, 763-763-9278. Is Ray still there, Henry? Yes, ma'am. Good morning. How are you doing, dear? Good, good morning, Ray. How are you? Oh, I'm blessed. Much better than I deserve. It's kind of hard to follow up here, but I sure would like to make sure and, uh, and start out first by uh, stating First uh, Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1. If I uh, speak uh, with, uh, in the tongues of men and of angels and have not love, uh, nothing but a bang, gong, or clanging cymbal. And, uh, and, and with that, I would like to say, uh, or I would just like to try to try to comprehend or follow up or try to understand how... Uh, you can possibly, with the things going on, say in the Middle East and and such, uh, uh, support the uh, the persecution of uh, uh, of God's uh, chosen people, uh, and uh, uh, and even um, um, uh, I mean the the seed of Abraham, uh, they, they are persecuting each other, and we're told this is going to happen, uh, uh, as we've been told uh, uh, through uh, God's word. But uh, still, I mean. Uh, Hamas has been given the uh, opportunity to govern their own people, the Palestinians, for decades, and they choose Hamas. 
in their own charters for the organization, uh, it's not, it's the total, it is truly the genocide of the uh, Jewish people, not the destruction of the, of the nation of Israel, but the complete genocide of those, those, those people. And, and uh, to, just to finish up and follow up and try to keep it quick, that, uh, I mean, even the own, uh, in the Middle East, those own people, the Egyptians, the Saudis, uh, none of those people, the Iranians, none of the other Arab nations, uh, that they do not want the uh, Palestinian people because they are, are bent on uh, on causing uh, chaos and trouble, and uh, even against their their own people there. Uh, and so, but you know, how but, can but we, Ray, when, when but they're Ray, not wanted in their own country? I'm sorry. Go ahead. But you know, Ray. But Ray, that's not true. It's not true. You know, before prior to uh, the establishing of Israel, which was established by Zionists, many of whom do not believe in God in the first place. Uh, <laughs> The the three major religions and people lived there peaceably. They did Jews, Christians, Muslims, boom. Uh, Palestinians are the most educated group of Arabs in the Arab world. They have been pushed out of their country. They are refugees. They've not been allowed to go back home. I mean, in fact, uh, it is established fact that the world wants... Israel to give back the territory that the Palestinians had prior to 1967. So this, I don't know, this narrative about Palestinians basically being warmongers is just not true. And you can't break a covenant and still expect to benefit from it. Now, at some point, what is happening now, this genocide of Palestinians is just wrong. And when you've been when you've been chosen, the more you know, the more responsible you are for what God has given you. So we need to stop this killing twenty two thousand, twenty three thousand, and then more. And we don't even know how many people are underneath the rubble. Killing all these people is just wrong, Ray. It's wrong, and it's got to stop. Period. I want I can, everyone I else to respond to you. Understand that. <laughs> I can yeah, I mean, and I that, say that, and yeah. I say that I, I'm as deep in my Christianity as, and and I'm as studied in it as you are. What is happening? You might you might be chosen to do many things, but when you break the rules, you got a problem. You don't have a right to break the covenant and then still benefit from the covenant. It doesn't work that way. It does not work that way. But stand by because I want everyone else to respond to you before we go into Chris Christie. But maybe this, you know, I'm I'm willing to go. But don't leave, Ray. I want you to stay right there, okay? Thank you, dear. Thank you. No, no, of course. Um, Reverend Dr. Yeary? Well, good morning, Santita. Good morning, Ray. Um, And thank you for sharing your perspective. Uh, I think the question becomes, though, as uh, one grounded in Christian faith, is where does grace and mercy fit? Uh, it is not driven by the one who uh, is crying out for mercy. It's really driven by the one who's in the best position to grant it. And so as those who are in the position to grant it, the United States has a particular responsibility, and Israel has a particular duty and obligation by its own agreements about how we'll engage in conflict as it relates to uh, civilian casualties, which is the greatest number Uh, in that 24,000-plus and rising uh, death toll. Uh, As to whether or not national sovereignty has to be sacrificed for uh, the benefit of causing a war to end, that's 
that's no more a plausible historical objective than it would be if that were to occur to the United States. And so I think we have to ground not only our perspective in what we believe our faith requires of us, not what our faith says we ought to require of others, but we also have to ground it in uh, international law, which is part of this justification for the kind of response that we've seen, Uh, although there's a lot of tension there because international law has also been broken. But there's also a duty in this moment because it's it's go- it's we're not going to be able to observe from a distance this ever expanding conflict because, as you point out, uh, the the descendants of Abraham, which include the three great Western religions, uh, also walk under a promise that they will be kept safe. That's also in the book, and so at some point there's going to be divine intervention that's going to have to be. Uh, exacted. And that does not mean that simply because you're chosen, you're exempt. So I would just say that we have to be circumspect in our application of what we say we believe. And if we do believe in grace and mercy, we have to show it first in order to receive it. Dwight, would you like to make a quick response to Ray? Uh, Ray, I'm so glad that you called in today. I I would. Is that one of the the new covenant, everybody's chosen. And in the New Covenant, there is no Greek, no Jew, no woman, no man, all are equal in the sight of God. And so everybody is chosen. Chosen for what? It's because a particular crowd, the Jewish crowd, for example, were chosen. They were chosen to follow the law, not to break the law. And so thou shalt not kill holds to them primarily. That law is given to them. Thou shalt not take thy neighbor's stuff was given specifically to them by Moses on the mountain. That is the basis of Jewish law. And so you cannot use a chosen people as a pretext for having no regard for or accountability to the law. If you define yourself as chosen in that same context, you have to define yourself as having an obligation for the law. Even if you're not dealing with the the new covenant, even if you're dealing with the old covenant, it's the basis of the old covenant. So to justify killing 20,000 people for taking their land is a violation of the first two laws. And 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 you killing on a Sunday, uh, and you killing our neighbor's wife, they're the first four covenants right there. And so it's uh, it, it's it's hypocritical to try to use the notion of a chosen people to justify breaking the law that you were chosen to follow. Ray, your response? Uh, Yes, thank you uh, so much. Uh, First off, uh, 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 I do uh, 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 a lot of things that make sense uh, in what you're saying. Uh, The first first five steps of our uh, relationship uh, with God's law and man, and the other five is uh, man's law with man. And the law was given to show that uh, uh, to show that uh, we we cannot. Uh, there is no way that we we are able to do it under our own power. 
but uh, all who um, uh, those chosen uh, is as a, a famous uh, preacher once said, I uh, wouldn't need to preach if we could just go lift up everybody's shirt and whoever may have a indication to strive to tell who was chosen was those are the ones all who may shall come. But uh, I, I still don't understand how that justifies uh, uh, this retribution. Where's the justification for uh, October 7th uh, when things were quiet, when uh, this was uh, uh, the old truce and thing was broken by the, uh, mm-hmm. by, uh, the uh, Palestinians? And again, their own brothers and sisters there, the other Arab nations, will not accept oh. this people. You do not, you do not see not, them protesting. Let us in. But, Ray, what they don't want, it's not that they won't accept these people. They don't want Israel to play a game with them and push these people out. It's not that they're rejecting them. They're saying, no, they need to be allowed to stay in their homelands. Not to mention the fact that Hamas has funded, Hamas has been funded by Israel. The former prime minister, Ehud Barak, admitted that the tunnels were built by Israel. The tunnels in Gaza. Has provided the support, the humanitarian support in the electricity no, no, and the water. Humanitarian and support. Space, not the bombs. No, no, not no, 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 no. It's, it's, also, it's also military. And it's also, they have a half a trillion dollars in oil and gas reserves, and gas reserves, not just oil, just gas reserves off the coast of Gaza. They're planning to lab, level Gaza, and you have Israeli developers who are planning to turn that into a luxury beachfront community. There's a lot going on here. And we have to acknowledge those things. It's not that the Arab countries do not want the Palestinians. What they do not want is for these Palestinians to be expelled from their lands forever. That is what is going on here. They want the Palestinians to make money off of their oil, off of their gas, as the British and the Americans and the Israelis are doing right now. Because business is still going on. They're still drilling. They're still getting gas. They're still getting oil. This is a much and, about and business as anything else. I, again, and and I I, I cannot uh, I quote uh, go into some of the details of uh, or in depth on some of these details, but some of these things, as far as these profits and the spreading of these things, uh, are, are kind of a misrepresentation that uh, these oil companies or these countries are are setting the prices and setting these resources on these things. All of these things are open market throughout the world. Uh, yeah, that, but you don't again, steal somebody's land. The they have the access Ray, to Hamas these, the same has been Hamas has been funded by Israel, uh, Ray, and you have to concede uh, that we don't. We haven't even talked to Hamas. You don't even know who they, they are, been, and everything that Hamas everything that Hamas has done has helped Israel. They have helped you, them to you, have a slaughter, level Gaza. And on and on and on. So I really, and I think we really don't know exactly what is going on here. What I do know is that 22,000 plus people do not, should not be slaughtered. This is a genocide. And so South Africa has every right and every obligation, given what they experienced under Western European rule, to take them to the UN's highest court and have them prosecuted as people who have conducted genocide. This is shameful. May, and may, as God's people, and you are a man of God. One, one last you, you, are, you are a man. No, no, I'm going to let you make your point. But let me say this. As a man of God, thou shalt not kill. Period. This is wrong. And you're not going to come up with any biblical verse that is going to justify the killing of all these people. It's just wrong, right? 
Well, I, and, I, and, I, and I, I agree with that. But again, the wrong. babies in the the, the babies in the in the hot stoves is just wrong too. And I, I, I am what firmly babies and what hot stoves are, are you are, talking about? What babies and uh, what happened? Most most of the rapes and all of that. Max Blumenthal from the, from the gray zone and the New York Times had to pull back on that story. Hamas did not rape these Israeli women. All these lies coming out of it. First of all, that's why you need a ceasefire. Everybody needs to stop shooting. It just needs to stop. And we need to stop funding it. Our, our, our president has gone past Congress twice to give them munitions and money. It is wrong. And you know what? God is not going to bless us. For being, this oh, is, you are, you are correct there. And we're, we are fixing to face the same situation on our southern border. The, the same thing is about and, to happen. Wait a minute. The northern border is what you need to be concerned. The northern border is what you need to be concerned about because the most visa overstays in the country come from Canada, not from South and Central America. Oh yeah, I, I agree with you there. They are flying them over, and they're they're not leaving the uh, the checkpoints. They're no, turning no, around at the like Canadian it. airport and coming right through the northern border. No, you are correct. No, no, it's, no, no, it's Canadians. Canadians come here and they stay. I'm not mad at anybody, but I'm just saying we keep looking to the south at these little brown people coming through, brown, yellow, and red people, and we forget all the white folks who come in from Canada. It's nothing to agree well, on. These are, this is just the data. It's the data. But I want you to and I thank you so much Ray. for your time. But we're, our country is caught between Ray. the vice between Canada and and Mexico in these in these situations. Yeah, and Ray, can I ask you something? Ray, stay right there. Do you want to say something before Ray goes? I just want to ask Ray a question. Mm-hmm. What was yes, the sir. justification of, for the Holocaust, Ray? The justification was the Holocaust was a, uh, a, a misguided, uh, misguided principles uh, from um, from a man with a, a mental illness and a desire to uh, to control um, certain races of people. Uh, if you uh, uh, with the research, he locked up the uh, Social Democrats and and the Gypsies before he went after the Jewish people. Uh, he he went after the uh, communists and locked them up before he went after the Jewish people. Uh, and very misguided. Was, was and, it wrong? Um, was it, it wrong? Was very wrong. Was it any different than what Netanyahu was doing? Is doing? Um, uh, Netanyahu I, is uh, is protecting his country instead of advancing and trying to uh, take over, uh, conquer the world. Uh, through military might, he is looking to protect his own uh, national sovereignty, which the world agreed. After World War II, the world gave uh, 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 the is- Israel some land, and, uh, land in the Middle East, uh, a very, very small portion, and still surrounded by enemies. Was that not Hitler's rest, rest uh, justification for going after the Jews? The same I'm sorry, he was protecting the homeland. Was it not Hitler's justification? He was protecting the homeland from the Jews. Who, who Hitler? Yeah, wasn't that his justification? Uh, he was trying to reclaim what he he did not agree with how how uh, it got carved up after World War One, and he was still he was bitter over over that and how the. Uh, 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 the history going back uh, through, uh, he was not pleased so with why, the way that. Why is it wrong? Up. Why was it wrong for Hitler but right for Netanyahu? 
because Netanyahu is not an, is not being an aggressor. He is maintaining. He is just simply trying to maintain sovereignty and share with the Palestinians and share with the land. Uh, Israel's not digging tunnels into Palestine. Uh, just as the United States is not digging tunnels into Mexico with the intent of harm. Uh, it is the but opposite. If Palestine was their original land, if they originally lived there, then how did the Jews have the right to come and just claim the land and take the land? Uh, God, God gave them the right to. God gave uh, the people, uh, folks, uh, plenty of time to uh, to repent and to uh, to turn towards God, and God gave them centuries, uh, however many however many centuries, and thus uh, um, I, I gave the his chosen people that right to. Uh, just as uh, as you spoke earlier about a lot of the laws uh, that God gave the Jews, uh, sure, a lot of it was for moral context and and uh, conduct, and a lot of it was for health reasons. So one of the other done, speakers so done, mentioned so about things for so health and done, safety. So if it's done to the Jews, it's wrong. If it's done by the Jews, it's right. That's what you're saying. Uh, same action, same action. Same action. In, in, nowhere, same, in same, nowhere in the Jewish same. charter is there call for a destruction or of another another people or, uh, as compared to Hamas. It is in their charter the complete and utter destruction and genocide of the uh, Jewish uh, uh, people. That, it's that, in that is, uh, certainly it's in their strategy. It is what's being done. I'm not sure it was in the Nazi charter, too. It was in their strategy. It was in their behavior. You're playing with words, Ray, and it's hypocritical. And it's a justification for genocide that you're not willing to accept when it happened to, 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 to your people, but willing to qualify when, it's, when you're doing it to other people. And it's hypocrisy, Ray. And used to be confronted with it. It's not. I agree. I, not, I agree. Not, the, the, the hypocrisy does need to be confronted and and and, and addressed. And still, when and, and again, this talk about we need to sit down and talk. But there are just some people, unfortunately, sir, that are not willing to talk. Uh, the Israelis they, they gave the Gazans plenty of warning before they started this campaign for uh, to try to clear out these terrorists. The, the, the Gazan, it's a flat out terrorist. Was there any this warning started, before October seventh? Years ago, right? It started a hundred years ago. By the way, this started a hundred years ago. It is one wait wait one person at a time. Ray uh, and then you Dwight. No, 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 Ray. I'm Ray, number one, even as you have disagreed with some of the conclusions of the people on this show, I am moved that you still listen. You know, and that's why I'm glad that you felt moved to call in. I'm, I'm glad that you felt that you could call in and that you would not be disrespected and that you would be heard out because I think that you're offering a perspective that needs to be heard. The only way we're going to really get through this crisis is to talk to one another and for us to freely express. So I'm glad that you're doing that, Ray. 
Okay. May, may I offer a, just one thing real quick, too, is uh, this being the uh, October 7th, it is the uh, on the Jewish calendar, the year of Jubilee, where either God rewards or takes back uh, 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 his blessings. And uh, the Jewish people have failed to turn still to the Messiah. And part of the October 7th, the year of Jubilee, is uh, God uh, taking... Uh, taking back some of his blessings from the year of Jubilee because of the uh, lack of uh, the Jewish people uh, uh, turning and recognizing uh, the Messiah that was sent uh, specifically for them, for all of us, uh, the the Jew first and then the Gentile. Uh, But uh, again, uh, God has has blessed the Jewish people, and he is willing to... uh, 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 to take these things away, just as I believe I have bilateral prosthetic eyes. I believe the good Lord took my sight, so I can really see some things, and faith comes by hearing and the hearing of the Word of God. And these things uh, will certainly give you a different perspective when it's not just a, a daily situation. It is uh, in, in God's eyes, and uh, uh, God is still in control of things, uh, and I firmly believe that. Well, uh, Dwight, Reverend, Dr. Heary, would you like to respond to Ray? I'm so glad that Ray called in this morning. This Go ahead, Ray. Go ahead, Yuri. Well, I was going to say, I appreciate Ray being one willing to certainly stand on his conviction. I invite him to certainly the last point he made is that you only resolve these by consultation, conversation, not confrontation. And uh, I think that's that's the linchpin that allows us to sit down with different points of view, but working toward a common goal. And so I hope that is indeed the reality that we will experience here soon. Well, I think we have to have a common goal for that to work. And what I'm hearing is one folk can justify killing other folk for the purposes of whatever they decide works for them. And this started way before October 7th. This has been going on for 100 years. 107th just gave them a pretext for a direct, more direct confrontation. But they've been taking this land from these people since the turn of the century. That's how they got there in the first place. Well, there you have it. Ray? My dear brother, I'm so glad that you called in today. This is a perspective that is very real, everybody. Whew. And um, and the only way we're going to get through this is to talk it out. You can't exclude Ray from the conversation. Ray's perspective is real. I disagree with it, but I get it. So I want you, I want all the Rays out there to continue to listen and continue to call in and just know that you will, we will engage with each other and I'm sending you much love, Ray, and I'm, because we're hugging it out, even as we disagree, my dear brother. All right, everybody, let's talk about South Africa. Some people are saying that this is a real, real, real pushback against Western imperialism for this African country, which is becoming a superpower on the world stage to take on uh, this Western superpower. Back with more of the Santita Jackson Show in just a minute. We can change the world, change the world, change the world. Oh, yes, we can. We can change the world, we can change the world, change the world. 
This is the Santita Jackson Show. Everybody, welcome, welcome, welcome back to the Santita Jackson Show, WCPT 820, the nation's largest progressive talk radio station, and AM 950 Radio, the voice of progressive Minnesota. Morning stars, have no fear. Uh, the YouTube and Facebook will be here next week. Yay, yay. But call 773 763 Special shout out to Ray, Mr. Ray, for calling in this morning. I want to thank you. Uh, and I'm very, very clear that so many people, we have a, a real wide range of people who listen to this show. And I want you to know that even if I disagree with your perspective, I. It takes it touches me profoundly to know that you listen and to know that you feel that when you call in you will be, that you can call in and be respected because that's really what I believe. I believe that everyone has a perspective that was shaped by their worldview. We all have twenty four hours in our day, seven days in our week, three hundred sixty five days in our year. And so, Ray, I hope you'll keep listening and keep calling in. That's why we need the Peace Summit, so that we can understand what is really going on in the Middle East. We just covered this week that CNN had to admit that they have been, uh, that the coverage they get comes from the IDF and the Israeli government. It comes straight out of their Jerusalem Bureau. So nothing comes to us from CNN unless it has been cleared by the Israeli government or their army or their defense forces. Huh? Is that free speech? I mean, if we're going to stand for democracy and freedom and freedom of speech and a free press, the only protected class, professional class in our Constitution is the press. How can we sign on for that? It's just wrong. And all of this madness is being uncovered, and it needs to be not just uncovered, it needs to be fixed. I want you to call me at 773-763-9278. Anita will come to you shortly, but we've got Bryce Green as we talk about what's happening with South Africa. They are charging Israel with genocide. Some people are saying that this is a big pushback against Western imperialism. We're going to be talking about that. Uh, But I want Dr. David Gibbs to weigh in on the conversation that we just had with Mr. Ray on the other side about the Middle East. Join us at the Peace Summit along with Dr. Cornell West and Nina Turner, Senator Nina Turner and so many others. Two starting tomorrow and on Saturday at Rainbow Push at 930. Don't let anything uh, throw you off. Not the snow. Don't worry about that. Uh, Don't worry about that. Just be there. Just be there. Everybody call me at 773 763-9278, 773-763-9278. WCPT, let's get some of these headlines, Henry. We'll cue up that music. Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley faced off in a Republican primary debate yesterday. Uh, The Florida governor and the former U.N. ambassador and South Carolina governor traded harsh attacks. Haley called January 6th a terrible day and criticized Donald Trump, who was absent. Uh, Chris Christie ended his presidential campaign and was caught saying Haley would, quote, get smoked in the primary race, close quote. Mm. That all begins on Monday with the Iowa caucuses. Former President Trump plans, his plans to speak at his New York civil fraud trial was blocked. His attorneys wouldn't agree to the judge's demand to have Trump stick to case-related topics while in court. 
New York is seeking a $370 million penalty for alleged fraud. Israel is facing accusations of genocide in an, in an international court, indeed the highest court of the UN today. Let's talk about that here at 773-763-9278. Alaska Airlines canceled all Boeing 737 MAX 9 flights through Saturday. It's waiting for FAA approval to begin formal inspections of the Boeing jets after last week's terrifying mid-air blowout that opened a hole in a plane while in flight. An avalanche at a California ski resort killed at least one person. A huge mass of snow cascaded down the mountainside yesterday in the Palisades at the Palisades Tahoe Resort near Lake Tahoe. Three people were injured. And an era in college football has passed. Well, this gentleman joins the Eddie Robinsons, the winningest coach in college football history, and Bear Bryant, second to him. And Nick Saban from Alabama has said, He's calling it a day. He called the University of Alabama a very special place to him. And his wife said in a statement last night, seven, seven national championships. Oh, excuse me, six national championships he led Alabama to during his 17 seasons there. And he won another at LSU in 2003. He's considered to be one of the greatest of all time, of course. No one can touch Eddie Robinson. All right, everybody. And in Chicago, we're going to have snow. This, this snow event is beginning right now, everybody. 33 degrees in snow, Minneapolis, St. Paul, 19 degrees and cloudy. The wild card round of the NFL playoffs begins this weekend in the NBA. The Bulls are triumphant over the Rockets and the Celtics are triumphant over the Timberwolves. In the NHL, Chicago will be facing off against the Jets and the Stars. Seven, the Wild, two, and those are the headlines on the Santita Jackson Show. Before we pivot to uh, what's happening at the Hague, uh, the UN's uh, highest court, the International uh, Court of Justice, they will be hearing South Africa's charges against Israel, charging them with genocide. Before we do that, as an historian, what did you hear as you listened to Mr. Ray? And um, and and these, uh, you know, uh, Dwight is a lay theologian, and of course, Reverend Doctor Uri is a theologian formally. Uh, what did you hear? Um, you know, what I heard is the growth of what's called Christian Zionism. I, I think this is pretty well known. Um, in the 1970s, you had um, a significant portion of the evangelical community um, take the view that. Um, essentially become more pro-Israel than, than, than the Jews, basically, and, and claim that um, the advent of the Jewish state uh, anticipates the second coming of Jesus Christ, and therefore the obligation of Christians to staunchly and unconditionally uh, support the state of Israel in its feud with the Arabs. And uh, that has been going on now for about 50 years. Um, you know, and, and I think many Jews... Um, uh, you know, we're happy to have the additional support. You know, the numbers of evangelicals vastly exceeds the numbers of numbers of Jews, and it added to their political punch, shall we say, within the American political system. And um, so that's what I was hearing. I was hearing Christian Zionism with this unconditional support of Israel, um, and uh, really seeing that. Um, well, you know, let me say at the outset, I, I do appreciate that this gentleman Ray was willing to you know, forthrightly state his opinions, and I appreciate the fact this show is one of the few places where we can have debates like that, which seems to have gone out of fashion these days. So in principle, I think that's a good thing. Uh, personally, I'm disturbed by the opinions that were expressed by Ray, 
Um, I, I, I don't agree with them at all. But nevertheless, he's expressing something that is has been widespread for 50 years, which is a sizable portion, not all evangelicals, certainly, uh, not all Christians, certainly, but a sizable portion of the evangelical community uh, supports the state of Israel against the Arabs uh, without any conditions at all, as far as I could tell. And uh, that is a significant factor uh, in why the United States is arming Israel to the hilt uh, and is continuing to arm Israel to the hilt, despite the, I believe it's now 23,000 people killed in Gaza, mostly women and children, large numbers of toddlers with their limbs blown off and so on. And the U.S. is still backing this. And I think one variable in this equation is political support from um, Christian Zionists. It is a very real thing. John Hagee is real. It's real. It's real. And, and we have to, and they have to be part of the conversation because they're helping to drive this. And the role of Western imperialism and money. Can't forget about that half a trillion dollars in, just in gas deposits alone that the British and the Israelis and, uh, are, are benefiting from as we speak. But let's talk about the inter- International Court of Justice. The UN's highest court, they are going to hear, they should be hearing right now, of South Africa's charges of genocide. This is a big deal. I was reading a Middle Eastern Eye report in which they said, you know, this is a real game changer because it's a pushback against Western imperialism, this African nation that is gathering support all around the world, uh, charging Israel with genocide. Of course, we'll be talking about this issue and so many more at the Peace Summit at Rainbow Push at 930 50th Street starting tomorrow. Cornell West will be there. Nina Turner will be there. You do not want to miss it, and you need to be there, too. And so uh, joining Dr. David Gibbs and Reverend Dr. Todd Geary and Dwight McKee, Bryce Green. Bryce Green, set the stage for us. What do you think about these charges? And is this a game changer? I mean, for this African nation to be charging Israel, this Western power, that's what they are, with genocide. Bryce Green. Well, this is certainly a game changer uh, in the sense that someone is actually trying to take legal action in a serious venue against the state of Israel. Uh, And uh, the way they're doing it is that they're situating Israel's crimes within the broader history of Israeli apartheid since 1948, the, the war that expelled uh, uh, 750,000 Palestinians created the refugee crisis and set the stage for all the conflicts that we're seeing today. The fact that they're drawing back that far means that they're historically informed and that they're trying to right this historical wrong uh, in ways that haven't been tried by uh, the so-called rules-based order uh, governed by the Western powers. The Western powers have been... Uh, hostile to international law for basically as long as international law has existed. uh, There were scholars at Columbia who developed what's called the the, uh, multilateralism index, which measures how much each country actually adheres to the U.N. rules, has ratified U.N. treaties. Well, the only country worse than Israel on that index is the United States. Uh, you know, even China, Russia, all these countries that in America we talk as we, we talk about as you know, dictatorial, illiberal, anti-democratic. Uh, according to this index, they're a lot more uh, 
they adhere a lot more to international law than any other country. And so the fact that these nations, these BRICS countries, these global South nations are trying to use the institutions designed by these Western powers to actually achieve the ideals that these Western powers have stated is a major change in the global order. And it falls in the the footsteps of other major changes that are happening around the world. I mean, we've seen it since the Ukraine war when the U.S. tried to get the rest of the world to uh, uh, participate in the sanctions against Russia. It was a major sea change when many of the global South countries decided not to do that, decided to throw in their lot with the up-and-coming BRICS block rather than the the Western G7 block. Uh, This uh, was exacerbated after 10-7 and after Israel began its barbaric assault on the Palestinians. And it was pretty much clear to everyone in the world that the United States was supporting it and actively endorsing it and funding it and had no words of criticism for it. Well, that further pushed all of these countries in the world, uh, critical of the U.S., further away from these this Western-backed order. And so now what we're seeing with this international uh, court of justice case is a true test over whether or not these Western institutions are even capable of living up to their ideals or if the entire system is a farce. Personally, I think the case uh, uh, on its merits is fairly strong. Uh, Part of the brief that South Africa submitted included several pages of just statements of Israeli officials, uh, members of the Knesset, uh, cabinet members, and even the president, Netanyahu himself, uh, pretty clearly stating out their genocidal intent, uh, pretty clearly stating the fact that they don't believe that there are any innocents in Gaza, that they're fighting human animals, that they want Gaza to burn, they want it flattened. Uh, and uh, that's borne out by the reality on the ground. I mean, we've seen reports from even the Israeli press calling Gaza a mass assassination factory. We've seen uh, disease spread all throughout the Gaza Strip, and we've seen Israeli officials say how that is actually very good for them and it advances their goals. So I think the case is pretty much, uh, as far as uh, definitions are concerned, fits the definition of genocide, as attested to by several uh, genocide scholars, Holocaust historians, and others. The question is whether or not the legal body, the ICJ, is going to recognize it. And that is the true test. If they do recognize it as a genocide, well, it's not a you know end-all, be-all. It doesn't solve the problem. But it does redeem these institutions to the point where we see that they can be used uh, for serious things, for the, their originally stated purpose. But if they don't, if Israel wins this case... Well, then I think we're likely to see a larger mass exodus out of the Western ideological consensus and, you know, potentially into a a new a new way of doing international order uh, that we uh, we the West won't be in charge of. And both are significant. uh, But the, the, the true question for the Palestinians remains, how much will the U.S. continue to support Israel? If the U.S. continues to do that, well, then the. War will continue, and uh, no ICJ ruling uh, will change that. Hmm. Doctor Gibbs, your thoughts? Because it seems that the UN tends to line up with the West. You mean where's the teeth with the United Nations, Doctor Gibbs? Um, well, the ICJ doesn't have any teeth. Enforcement's been a real problem. I mean, a classic case. I think in 1986. 
Nicaragua brought a case against the United States that the U.S. was engaging in justified, unjustified military aggression against Nicaragua. The ICJ sided with Nicaragua against the United States, and the U.S. just disregarded the ruling. It didn't have any effect whatsoever. Um, it had, you know, you read about it made, I don't know, on page 32 of the New York Times or something like that. It was largely suppressed in the U.S. press. Um, this time, well, again, they still have no enforcement. They have no army. They have no uh, police force. They can't enforce the ruling. But I think this time around, it's going to have considerably more impact than the 1986 case against the United States had. Um, if they rule against Israel, and again, I don't know enough about the legality of this, um, I do know the word genocide has changed its meaning significantly in the last 30 years, and the technicalities of that I, I'm not sufficiently uh, familiar with, but I can give a legalistic comment on that. But if there is um, a decision by the ICJ against Israel, it all have enormous uh, moral standing, uh, especially in, in the global south, which is now gaining tremendous influence through the BRICS organization, as, as uh, you know, um, as... Um, was just noted. And so I think that um, a ruling against Israel would be very significant. The very fact that the case is being brought at the ICJ by South Africa, a very prominent member of the BRICS, as, you know, as is clear, uh, that itself, I think, is already getting a lot of attention around the world. And it's underscoring the fact that the days when the United States and its allies could call the shots and could define what is moral and legal and what is not, those days are over. Um, and that uh, the situation is spinning out of control from the standpoint of the United States. And that's a good thing, in my view, just because, again, the United States has abused its power. And what Israel is doing in Gaza with American support underscores the fact that the United States is abusing its power. Um, And, um, you know, the fact that American power is being eroded, even if just in a moral and legal sense, it's not enforceable. That's a very significant development and one that I, for one, would welcome. Hmm. I mean, Dwight, what do you think about this? Why is it, I mean, is it significant that South Africa is bringing these charges, even though the U.N. has no teeth? What does this mean? Well, I think the significance is in the fact that once, if they, if they find... Israel guilty of genocide, even though they themselves have no power of enforcement, the different countries that are in the process now of deciding how they're going to align, it has significance for them. And so when you talk about this 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 gulf between Russia and China and the third world, Africa and the Middle East, historically some of those countries uh, really want to be on the side of those things which were just and were right and were true. Now, if the UN, if the, uh, the Court of Justice defines this as a real genocide with uh, between with the United States and Israel, because many of the countries in the Third World they themselves have been victims of that same mentality of colonialism and chosen people genocide, it strikes a real chord with them, and they themselves now, if they have to choose, will line up with China and uh, and Russia 
if only in their minds to protect themselves from becoming the victims of this mentality again over time. So I think it's very significant, not because the U.N. can enforce it, but because it sends a signal for the rest of the world who now are lining up one way or another. It gives them a legitimacy or justification or instruction as if they want to be safe over time, that they need to line up with Russia and with China for their own protection. You know what, Dr. Yeary, before we get to Dr. Wolf in the next segment, I want you to weigh in on this because I think it is a game-changing event. I really, really do. And we'll see where all of this goes. It seems like the world is shifting. It is no longer a unipolar world, everybody. And I think Americans need to understand that. Back with more of the Santita Jackson Show in just a minute. This is the Santita Jackson Show. Hey, everybody. Ray, you got us all lit up this morning on WCPT 820 and the nation's largest progressive talk radio station at AM 950 Radio, the voice of progressive Minnesota. We need to hear more of these voices. Um, And whether we agree or disagree, we need to have a conversation about what we're looking at. Because really, um, only by having the conversation did you say we can have the reconciliation. We need to avoid the confrontation. We need the education. We need all of these things, everybody, but we need to be in fellowship with one another. And so we've been talking about that because, Bryce, you made, Bryce Green, you made a very interesting point um, that... When you were in Sunday school, before you could even point Israel out on a map, what happened? Well, I was told by, uh, you know, the elders in the church, a Sunday school teacher, uh, that one of the reasons, the primary reason that America is so rich, powerful, prosperous, and dominant in the world is that we were following God's will by giving unconditional support to Israel. Uh, And it wasn't like a major part of the lesson. It was just mentioned in passing. Like, oh, yeah, we support God's chosen people and the return to their ancestral homeland. And uh, that's one of the reasons America is so powerful. It was it didn't even seem like a an in-depth part of the ideology, but it was one of those things that subtly slipped in that goes unquestioned, uninterrogated for decades uh, by, uh, you know, millions of people in America. It wasn't until that I learned and started reading about the history of this place that I thought back to that moment and understood that this was just a... Uh, an example of the subtle indoctrination of the American people with the Zionist ideology. Uh, people are taught to believe that Israel is, you know, uh, sacred, that it's a an unassailable pillar of American religious life. Uh, of course, it's completely divorced from the reality. There was no mention of Palestine. There was no mention of Palestinians, no mention of uh, you know, the, the ongoing assaults on Gaza at the time and the Palestinians at the time, it was just completely divorced from reality as this sort of mythical ideal uh, that, you know, uh, it was it was pure religion. It was just religion, and it had no basis in reality. 
And it's not even religion. It is, no, just, and, it is Western and, imperialism. That's what it is. Yeah. I mean, let's, let's be clear. This ain't got nothing to do with Jesus. Nothing. And there was no mention of the fact that America's powerful because they raped the, the land. They stole the land from the natives, and they bought us over here right. And they imprisoned the Chinese. I mean, so it becomes a justification on two levels. It becomes a justification for the behavior of the Israelis, but it also becomes a justification for the behavior of the Western imperialists, the European imperialists, they came over here that robbed and raped and plundered. That's so all it's it a is. Very it's a, it's a rationalization of Western imperialism. It's a it's a rationalization of this, and it is just not healthy because it's now crashing down around us. It's crashing down around us. There are new narratives. You see, these BRICS nations, the formerly colonized, are coming together, and they're pushing back, and they're saying, we need a new world order, and they are establishing it. The G7, G20, please. Now they're trying to invite South Africa in. I wish South Africa would go on about their business, and then that's just me. Paul, you wanted to, you wanted, you're calling in, because what's on your mind today? Uh, good morning, Cynthia. Good morning, everyone. Uh, I... I... I, I woke up to, to catch in the middle of the conversation with last hour with uh, Ray, I guess it was, um, mm-hmm. who is, I'm, I'm not sure if he's a, a, a member of the clergy. I'm not sure if he was a rabbi or he's a, a Christian pastor or, or, or reverend. But um, from his point of view, I got to tell you, there are many uh, of the cloth who need to review their scriptures. <laughs> I'm just I'm mm-hmm. just saying. So let, let's look at who are the Palestinians, and I'm going to do, do a quick review here. If we look at Genesis chapter 10, the table of nations, it says that uh, we have the sons of Noah, including Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Uh, the sons of Ham, Canaan, and it says in 1019, and the borders of Canaan, the borders of Canaan reaches from Sidon toward Jarrah as far as Gaza. So who's in Gaza now? We call them the Palestinians. They are the Canaanites, or they were. Their descendants are the Canaanites, uh, or their, their ancestors are the Canaanites. Not, and if you look at chapter 12, where did Abraham come from? He came from Hebron. That's in Turkey. So to say that this is their, the Jews, are, this is their ancestral homeland, perhaps, but they are not the indigenous peoples of this land we call Gaza. The, the Canaanites are, if we were to believe the scriptures. And it says here in Genesis chapter 15, starting in, uh, uh, in verse 18, and on that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham to your, to your descendants. I give this land from the Wadi of Egypt to the great river Euphrates. And then goes on to uh, expand on the land of the Canaanites and others uh, as we go along. Well, here's the thing. You know, I've heard people say uh, to, to say that uh, that Rashida Talib uh, she doesn't even know which river we're talking about when we say the river to the sea. And I started to ask a few uh, a few hosts that I've debated. Uh, actually, two of them were Jewish. Which river are we talking about? Because this verse says from the Wadi of Egypt, which is where the Nile spills into the Mediterranean. That's the Wadi of Egypt to the great river Euphrates. But I'm sorry, Israel never stretched as far as to the Euphrates. And if you look at Joshua chapter 4, what were they crossing? 
coming back into Israel. They were crossing the Jordan. Those were where they got the stones. And for to the stones of the, the of the tablet, and that's when and when Ray says they don't have a covenant uh, like Hamas does of genocide. Oh yes, they do. If you look at Joshua chapter six, they slew every man, woman, and beast because it was holy war. And if you look at the same in First Samuel chapter fifteen, when Saul spared the king of the Amalekites, uh, Samuel came along took a sword, and cued him to pieces. That's chapter 15. Where's Samuel? Chapter 15. So I, I think it's that what the point is, is the, the indigenous people, the Palestinians are either the indigenous people there or descendants of the Canaanites, or the Palestinians are the indigenous people of somewhere. <laughs> and they apparently displaced themselves. But there is a war going on against them. So they are either being, they're either being slaughtered in their own homeland, even in they're the indigenous peoples here, uh, thereof, or they're the indigenous peoples of somewhere else, and they're being then they're being imprisoned here and being slaughtered. In any case, the, I don't think they're getting a fair shake. And it sounds to me, actually, a whole lot like the Native American peoples here, the indigenous people of this land, the official position of the United States, uh, as per the Supreme Court ruling in 1823, is that the indigenous peoples of the United States, of this land, do not and never did own any land in this country because they never had a doctrine of ownership. They are on reservations now, which is federal land, which they do not own, and so they couldn't even sell it. <laughs> so I think we have the same situation. It's a very p- parallel situation. And so I think the people who are using the... Uh, so far, we have... The right to this land they call Israel is God-given, but I don't even think they're being accurate about that covenant when I hear the uh, people of the cloth talk about the right of Israel to exist. Listen, all nations have a right to exist. Does Israel have a right to defend itself? All nations have a right to defend themselves. Well, I mean, this, you know, what you're saying, Paul, I mean, and I can hear your passion and feel it. Uh, this is part of what, I mean, Reverend Dr. Yeary, this is what makes this, this particular conflict fraught with, it's just fraught with emotion. I mean, and what we've been taught and our belief systems. It, is there any way forward that you can see? Well, well the, the first way forward is to get the history right, right? Uh, I think the point that, uh, uh, our friend is pointing out is that reading is fundamental, even as you have to read critically, right? And if you don't know, uh, going back to Bryce's point, if you don't know the orientation of the world because you think the world revolves around you and the United States is the center of the world and Israel is its twin, then, then you come away with this sense that everything and everybody is beholden to whatever is put forth by those two. And that's why you're seeing this realignment taking place inside the international community. I think it starts with South Africa. I don't think it ends with South Africa. And there's a reason why the Secretary of State has gone back to the Middle East four times since October the 7th. Because they recognize that if there's a realignment, not just of the money, the dollars, but the natural resources, uh, it could put the United States and Israel in a very precarious situation with the rest of the world, looking at them and saying, we choose not to engage with you anymore. 
And I think it starts with the the perpetuated generational ignorance of history that we see playing out in removing everything from books to themes to conversations to discourse from the public square that is reinforcing this this slide into what is really a living hell that's going to turn into political and real isolation because as our friend has just pointed out we don't know we don't know geography we don't know history uh, all we know is the mythology of of how we we we've caught, we've come to be from sea to shine and see they have from the river <laughs> To the sea, we have from sea to shine and sea. In the end, uh, I think it comes down to do we really know what we think we know and who's going to make sure that we don't forget it in the process of living out this myth. Hmm. What did Diana Ross saying? Do you know where you're going to? Do you like the things that life is showing you? I don't think we know. Not at all. Do you get what you're hoping for? No, we. I think we really do not know. So I, that's why I think you need a peace summit, because you do need education, and people really do need to talk to one another. Right, McKee? Yeah, but they, again, they have to have common goals. I think that we, you know, I think that this should be more than a peace summit. I think this should be a summit of direct action where we try to work out a strategy to be able to uh, bring a balance, not just perspective, but balance power to the conversation, to the equation. I, I see our people coming out of this engaging in direct action and engaging in protest and peaceful protest to change and political organization to change the power dynamic of what's going, going on here. It can't be a peace summit without the cooperation of those who are imposing the war. And I don't think that they are committed to that. That's why I was saying that you can't have common ground if you have nothing in common. And the Netanyahu, the Israeli government, is committed to genocide. So they're not trying to look for a solution. They're looking for, trying to look for a final solution. To, they, to me, it is a, for them, everything is just a pretext. All the conversation they haven't been having with with uh, uh, the international law is a pretext that they're just using that to stall to have enough time to to ethnic cleanse the people and to take the land for themselves. So yeah, you do have need to have a dialogue, but you need to be realistic about what you're looking at. You need to be prepared to deal with the strategy if there is no concessions on the other side. Well, are you? Do you think we're seeing some movement, Bryce Green, around the world? I mean, because America is only four percent of the four and a half percent of the world population. I definitely, I definitely see some movement uh, around the world. I mean. You've seen countries uh, invoking the genocide convention and signing on to South Africa's uh, uh, South Africa's uh, uh, petition to the court. Uh, you've also seen uh, even non-state actors like the Houthis uh, taking action against Yemen or uh, against Israel, uh, and uh, they've received a lot of support from around the world. Uh, uh, as I stated earlier, I think this is part of a larger trend of the shift away from, you know, we've been saying it, the unipolar world order where America rules everything and gets to boss everybody around. The uh, the shift 
seems to be in favor of a more just world where, or at the very least, one where there is no global hegemon that gets to dictate everyone's actions, that gets to provide cover for blatant war crimes and illegal actions of its allies and itself, and one that actually seeks to foster uh, prosperity on all levels rather than enriching the wealthiest 1% of American society. Uh, And so there's a shift away from the old ways of thinking, and I think that's a pretty positive development. But here in the United States, we aren't exposed to a lot of that here unless you're you know, listening to alternative media or reading alternative press. In the mainstream, it's really downplayed. Uh, and so the important thing for us here as organizers, as activists, as media figures is to educate the public and eventually uh, create the sort of political movement uh, that will restrain our country from lashing out as its power declines. Uh, we all know that empires tend to do that as their power declines and as they seem to be backed into a corner, they take more and more erratic action. The U.S. clearly sees how its GDP is being out outshined by China if you adjust for purchasing power parity. Uh, and it clearly sees how countries around the world are shunning the Western-led order. So what is an empire to do in that situation? Uh, there's two choices. There's either a soft landing or a hard landing. And the difference between the two will be decided by how we conduct ourselves, how we organizers in America conduct ourselves and build political power and influence the political system over the next decade or so. Uh, That, I believe, is one of the main political projects uh, of our time. Hmm. Where do you see all of this heading? Do you think Americans are aware that there's a shift around the world? Do you think Americans are aware that empires eventually die and fade away? Is Dr. Gibbs still there? Well, then let me ask you that, Reverend Dr. Yeary, your thoughts. Well, I think that's that's part of the kind of the global civics lesson, right? I think, too, To to Dwight's point about, you know, sitting down with with some common goals, goal number one should be let's make sure we have an understanding about what the it is, right? Uh, There's a lot of folks talking at it based on what they have been fed, but not what's necessarily accurate. And a lot of that has to do with misinformation and miseducation. I think once you have that point and there's a common baseline, uh, for where we are, right? Dr. King asked the question, where do we go from here? Well, the first question is where, but the most important question is where's here? And if we're not clear on where here is, we don't know how we even begin to address the issue of where do we go? Uh, if we're starting from different places and we have different understandings about what's really at issue, then you cannot get to this notion of agreement or consistent uh, 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 consensus, rather. Uh, it's, it's an important reason why summit, the first rule of a summit is to get understanding from which to build. And if we get that, I think that's where you get the wind at your back and the momentum that's necessary to get to critical mass to lead to the kind of change. And I think the South Africa action before the International Court of Justice, even though It may take a while and there may not be uh, any enforcement teeth. Having that platform of 
an outside arbiter looking at the issue based on international law is still a big deal for everybody else to be able to point to. Enforcement has always been an issue with the United Nations experiment and the ICJ. Uh, That's not going to change. I think it's going to be tested now. And I think you will see folks who are not part of the Security Council, these entities, uh, looking very closely at how much longer they're going to be the puppet with somebody else sticking their hand up their back and telling them what to say. Well, what about, I mean, Israel's very worried. I mean, they're entreating the embassies in the countries where they still have embassies and and diplomatic relations to push back against South Africa price screen. Why do you think Israel's so worried about this? Well, Israel has been fighting what's called the propaganda war, right? They they call it Hasbara. One of the major undertakings of the Israeli state is to influence public opinion around the world, namely the United States, the you know, the the country that pays the bills, that provides diplomatic cover in forums like the UN, uh, that uh, provides unlimited, unconditional military support. If Israel loses public opinion in the United States, well, they won't be able to operate the way that they've been able to for so long. And that's why they pour uh, so much energy into institutions and networks like APAC and Jinsa and all these other Israel lobby groups. I mean, as a, uh, a campus organizer, I see this firsthand. And, you know, they'll fly young students out to Israel, give them the whole uh, the spiel about how they're the only democracy in the Middle East and how they're in such a bad neighborhood. And, uh, you know, that has an effect on the entire political culture of the country. But if you have something like an internationally recognized body taking a firm stance against uh, the actions of Israel, well, then that makes it a lot harder for them to push their propaganda line. It makes it a lot harder for young students to go along with Israel's line uh, because they have so much information at their disposal that counters it. So preventing that information, preventing something major like an ICJ ruling against it is, uh, you know, one of Israel's top priorities. In 2008, after the cast lead assault, which was, you know, uh, rightly described as horrific, but of course pales in comparison to the current uh, war against Gaza. But after that war, the United Nations Human Rights Council published a report by authored by a Zionist actually from South Africa named Richard Goldstone. And this report detailed how the attack on Gaza was designed specifically to uh, to punish, humiliate, and terrorize the people of Gaza. And you could see it in the Israeli press, in the Israeli uh, Knesset, the uh, Israeli cabinet. They were all freaking out about this. Uh, one Israeli said that Israel had two exist- or had an existential threats. Uh, they had uh, they had Hamas, and then they had the Goldstone report. They felt that this Goldstone report was an existential threat because it threatened the image of Israel on the world stage and specifically America. Now, luckily, they were bailed out because, uh, for whatever reason, the author of the report recanted, uh, despite uh, not changing any of the factual assertions of the case. Uh, But here we have a a similar opportunity. Israel sees this as a threat to its public image and thus to the entire state, uh, or at least its ability to continue acting like a rogue state. And so we need to push this. We need to uh, use this opportunity to educate as many people as possible, build the coalition that's required 
to shift American policy away from this unconditional support of Israel. Uh, that seems to be uh, the best way to use the situation to our advantage. Because, again, this court does not have enforcement ability. If this court rules uh, in favor of South Africa and against Israel, that doesn't automatically solve anything. It helps the public opinion war. And that's the war that we're fighting every day on college campuses, uh, every day in uh, state legislatures, every day uh, in the streets. And I think that's where the fight is. You know, Dwight, why don't you wrap things up for us? We have a couple of minutes before we go, before we get out of here today, because we're going to be, let people know about this peace summit. And this is part of the reason that we're going to be having it. Well, I totally agree with uh, with the, the rise them today is that the greatest threat to Israel right now is information, is the truth. And the reason that they are so intimidated and in trying to control the conversations in a discourse at a college level is because as these college guys who have access to information worldwide and information historically through uh, uh, Wiki, WikiLeaks and, and, and Wikipedia and other things, as they understand the truth and can confront the mythology that Israel has been putting out, which they've been, been able to take advantage of for the last hundred years, is the mythology of a chosen people in this being the historic land that God gave them a mandate to come and take back as that's challenged more and more by these guys at a at, uh, academic level, then that is the crowd that is going to uh, affect American policy in such a way that they're going to force America to have to make new choices. And uh, Israel right now exists on the prerogatives of American power and influence. And so I totally agree with 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 the uh, the panel today is that the, the discourse will change as information is uh, is exposed. The value of the summit this week, and that's why I say it's I don't see it so much as a peace summit as a summit where people are coming around with sharing real information and exposing real information is going to have a tremendous impact because these are at young activists who would then take that information and begin to confront the uh, the U.S. government on their inconsistencies and their policies of genocide, which most people in America of goodwill do not subscribe to. Well, well, well. It has really been a joy being with everyone today, Ray, you got things started. We didn't, we did kind of get to what we were going to be talking about today, but you know what? This is how it goes. And I'm really glad that you called in, Ray, and I hope you'll continue to listen and, and participate because we need you. We need each other. That's the only way we're going to work this out. We work it out together. That's what I learned when I was pledging my sorority. Nobody gets through to all through. It really is the key. I love you, everybody. See you at Rainbow Push tomorrow at 930 50th Street. You don't want to miss it, even with the crazy weather.
you need to be there. It's going to be a wonderful, wonderful coming together. You don't want to miss it. I, God bless you, everybody. Can't wait to be with you tomorrow on the Santita Jackson Show.